Well, there you go, folks. It's um, Radio FM 88 Australia. And um, if you like, um, you can see by the kangaroos and the imagery behind me, you know that you are in Australia. And um, our co-host, you know, uh, is at the top of the totem pole. And other than Andrina Forest. I just want to remind people that Andrina did get hacked just prior to Christmas and um, her site got taken down. She has got a new site. And um, if you do get a friend request, it's legitimate. So I just want to make that point known. Um, and without further ado, um, it's amazing. We've got three time zones tonight, uh, today. So of course, we're in Australia, seven o'clock, nine o'clock in the morning in the uh, United States. United Kingdom, and um, three o'clock, if I'm not mistaken, in the morning in the USA. Anyways, for that further ado, Andrina, you take it away. Thank you, Jeffrey. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Dream in the New Dream. If you're an old listener, welcome, and if you're a new listener, welcome. Um, today is the 26th of January, 2023, another number seven day, and today it's my great pleasure to um, have. Teresa Crabtree on the show um, and I connected with Teresa many many years ago somebody had given her given me her email address um, because she does soul cleanse and at the time I think I had all sorts of different things going on and I thought well that sounds just just what I probably need <clears throat> another stepping stone along the path um, so I've since then I purchased one of her books I think it was the one about fairy realms or diva spirits which I've still got um, but you've got such a story to share of the work that you do and the, the books that you've written and going into the prisons and um, yeah you just do such amazing work so welcome and I would love you to share your story all right well thank you both you and Jeffrey for all the work that you do bringing people like me on being able to share our story with everybody. I'm really appreciated and it's a very needed service. Thank you. So, um, yeah, cause I know you're like, you're, you're a rev or you are a reverend, but did you come from a family background like that in any way? No, my family, my dad was raised Catholic. He had 13 siblings and he married my mother who was not into any kind of a church. And um, so, we were sent to the Catholic school up until eighth grade. And when I was in second grade, I had a traumatic, traumatic experience with the priest in the confessional. The confessional is where you're supposed to go and say your sins and he forgives your sins and, and all that. But um, you know, what kind of sins do you have when you're in second grade? <laughs> so I just told him that, um, that I hadn't gone to church that Sunday, thinking that was a pretty safe sin. <laughs> I didn't know until 45 years later why part of the reason why he got he went crazy he went in and he's screaming and he's yelling and everything else and I come out and when we did this it was during school time so all of our classmates both of the second grade classes were there and we had 20 30 kids in each class so I come out and, and all of the kids are, their eyes are like <laughs> and the two nuns that were our teachers were like yeah. so I'm thinking they probably thought I committed murder or something and it wow. really traumatized me because you know, those kids probably in a month or two forgot all about it, but I didn't. I always thought that they were judging me. So all the way up until eighth grade, I really didn't fit in. I was just wanted to stay away. And we were also being taught 
at that time that the priest, you have to have a priest to be a mediator to go to God, to talk to God. And mm-hmm. I thought, that's my mediator, forget it. I don't want anything to do with that guy. <laughs> so I, as I was thinking about this show, I was thinking about that and I was like, you know, it wasn't, you know, that happened what, about 60 years ago. And it wasn't until just the other day that I really hit really what a true blessing that was because it really, I didn't suck into a lot of the stuff that the Catholic church was trying to teach me. There's a lot of beautiful teachings and stuff, but I didn't suck into their idea of God. I didn't like that punishing God. I thought my dad's better than that. I'll make him a God before this one that they want. And he's not quite perfect. He knows how to yell like that priest did, but but not in front of 60 other people, my peers and stuff. So that's, Mm. that was it. So I went to the school and I was, I'm the youngest of four. So, that my last day of school, my dad said to me, well, and my parents were divorced. They lived near each other, but they were divorced at the time. And I lived with my mother, but he said, you know, well, you're big enough now. You can go to church on your own, which in other words, he's saying, I'm not going to church. You don't have to. Because when, when, as long as we were going to the school, it was free schooling as long as you're an active member of the parish. And right. then after that, he didn't go to church either. So I was over the Catholic thing anyway. And the Catholic high school near me got closed. So it's like, yay. I had to go to public school, which is, yes, where I needed to be. A lot more freedom there. So that's my story. Oh, that's, that's quite an experience, isn't yeah. it? And, mm-hmm. and it makes you wonder how many other people along the, on, along the way would have suffered and carried that trauma all the way through. Yeah, and even as I thought about it too, even the kids in my class, I was like the second or third one to go in that day. So there were still 50 more that had to go in there. What fear they must have had. You know, this is supposed to be a loving place and you forgiveness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah not discriminating. So, you know, he wasn't being smart in what he did either because he traumatized all those others. And mm-hmm. who knows who they told, and you got this ripple effect going. Yeah, but, yeah. But anyway, I found, uh, I don't know, about a year ago, I went back to look about, so I was trying to figure out how to spell his name. I'm writing another book, and who's going, that, that story is going to be in the book. And uh, I wanted to know how to spell his name, and I looked him up, and he had just died like two days before, and I had not even, you know, had anything to do with this guy for years. Then. But I was happy to see that there were a lot of remarks about him, how, what a sweet guy he was, a good guy, and all of that stuff. I just got him on a bad day. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. And there is some backstory to that too. Plus, we were the first family that was divorced, so we were kind of like, you know, those kids are, are going to go to hell anyway <laughs> because their mother they're being raised by their mother, and she's a heathen, you know, kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, yeah. yeah, sad way of life for some, eh? Still. Yeah, but there's good and bad and everything. Oh, yeah, it's and, a problem. Yeah, I was very angry at the church because I had a lot of other experiences there too. And I finally settled all that and realized what a blessing it was because it did introduce me to Jesus, who ended up becoming a very good friend of mine. <laughs> mm. Like that. And, and also, it, uh, there's so much fear of hell that they put into you. So there were things that I would would have done or thought, might have done, but I thought, I don't want to take that risk of going to hell. <laughs> so I don't yeah, want yeah. to drink. I don't want to smoke. You know, you know, I may cuss, but you know, God yeah. will get over it. <laughs> yeah, deep fear mongering, eh? Yeah. yeah. Mm, mm. So what, what, what took you on? Because I know like you do the soul cleanse and you, <clears throat> excuse me, you work with the Council of 13. And so... I mean, not everybody knows what a soul cleanse is. Would you like to explain a little bit more for our listeners? Sure. The soul Please. cleanse is a um, 
it's a method that was given to me by my guides and it's a it's a powerful method of cleaning out non-beneficial energies and also entities dark entities earthbound spirits and, and all of that check um geopathic stress all those kinds of things so it's very very powerful and um i work by donation so that was one of the things that i wanted to do and so people come to me and I do the work. I do it all remotely and I do it all through emails and it's just quick, it's done. And, um, and I also give people, I, I show them if a lot of my uh, clients have been entities attached to them and some of them are actually even fully possessed. So I teach them what's making them vulnerable. We find out where it started and how we strengthen the vulnerability, which is usually comes from unresolved emotional trauma, which almost always goes back to early childhood, sometimes mm -hmm. the other past lives as well. So we find out what the vulnerability is so they can change it and then, um, then empower themselves. That's my whole work is just about self-empowerment. So I give them a lot of different tools that they can use and suggestions and they can, at any time they can come back and, you know, if they need a little bit of guidance or, or they got some more entities on them or whatever, and then we're able to get those out and, um, most of my clients are light workers and uh, they've come through the years. They, a lot of them weren't trained properly anyway. So I know when I first started getting into this and hearing people talking about Reiki and all these other things, a lot of them at that time, a lot of people were saying, well, I'm going to take on my client's stuff and let it run through me. And all. it's like, that's the problem. It was running through them, but it was also sticking because <laughs> yeah. it's sticking to anything, any imbalance that they had. It's like glue. There, there's all that stuff is sticking to them. And sometimes the entities were getting onto them. So mm -hmm. most of my clients are light workers that got stuck. And most of the times they got stuck is they still have unresolved issues or they're absorbing all that energy from their clients and from friends and family too. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so, so what, how did you like come into was it like doing through deep spiritual work that you worked with the council of 13 and you know, you, you all work together and you're given information. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to start back. I was trying to, I was asking my guys, where do we go? Cause I've had so many metaphysical experiences and I've been psychic since a child. So there's, there's so much, yeah. so I kind of like, they helped me hone it down to kind of give the story, the, the best ones. And for each uh, thing I'm going to share, there's, I wanted something that has a, pertinent message so that everybody that's listening to this can walk away with something. Mm. So, um, but one of my psychic gifts as a child that was very strong was I could tell when people were lying and it drove me crazy. Cause I'd hear like, you know, like my mom would be on the phone. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Come on over. That'd be great. And get off the phone. Oh gosh, she's coming over again. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, things like that, you know, or I could just, even if they didn't speak it, I could read their minds, read their energy. So I knew when they were, lying to me especially my parents especially my mother I lie a lot it is just like it just drove me crazy just be honest if you could just be honest and let the love in and let the love mm -hmm. flow people will like you <laughs> you know you don't have to make up all this stuff and this is crazy stuff so um so my, my main awakening shift began when I was 35 I had several different things that happened and uh, one of the first things that happened was I went on a cruise and on the cruise, they had a psychic medium that was uh, doing public readings, but he also was doing private readings for like 10 bucks. And I didn't want to go, but my sister-in-law did, and uh, she talked me into it. So mm -hmm. I said, oh, well, because I was kind of afraid of it because it was, it was just kind of afraid of psychics and that I didn't know anything really about it, kind of scared me. And um, so she had her reading and I went in right after her and he was doing the readings in his cabin. 
And I walked in the door and before I even had a chance to sit down, he says, well, you know, you have the gift. And I go, yes. And when I said, yes, that even surprised me that I, yeah. <laughs> because by then I a lot of it. I just thought it was just me. I don't know anybody's any different. So I'm still at that stage in my life. And uh, so he says, you know, I have the gift. And I said, yes. And he says, well, why don't you use it? I said, well, I'm kind of afraid of it. I don't really know what to do with it. So anyway, so we're going to this reading and, and this guy's incredible. He's just telling me all this different stuff that nobody could have possibly known. And this is my first reading ever. So I'm just like blown away. And then, then he gets to the part and he says, well, let's talk a little bit about the career area, the jobs and stuff. And then he goes, oh, what's that noise? What's that noise? Turn it off. And in my mind, I turned down and I pushed a button. And uh, he said, what was that? And I was hearing the noise. And when he said that, I heard the noise. I knew exactly what he was talking about. And I was pushing down, going down to push the button to turn off the weed whacker. <laughs> and then, it was a weed whacker. It's one of those electric devices to cut the, All right. cut the grass. And it's like a lawnmower. It's just very loud. And I had to wear earplugs and stuff. So he was picking up on that sound. And I heard the sound. And I turned in my mind. I'm going down. And I'm turning it off. And I apologized to him. And as I'm talking, I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> you know, we're out in the middle of the ocean. That weed whacker is nowhere near me. I did not pack that. Wow. <laughs> You've known that. I didn't look like a weed whacker person, but I was doing the lawn work at the church at that time. And so there's a weed whacker. And so that blew me away. And he just said so many things that blew me away. And then our session was over and I left and he, he was, I was his last reading for that time. So he was behind me. And so we're going down the hallway. I'm ahead of him. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I'm supposed to meet my sister-in-law, but I couldn't, I was so blown away by him. I didn't remember if I was supposed to turn left or right or where I was supposed to go. And I couldn't remember how to get to the place where we were going to meet. And um, so I'm thinking, am I going the right direction or not? And he says, well, where are you going? And I says, well, I'm going to go meet my sister-in-law who was, you know, your former reading and going to meet her up in the lobby where you were doing your public readings. And he says, oh, well, you're going in the right direction. Just keep going and you'll see the steps on the left. And when you get to them, take the stairs, two stairwells, take the one on the right and we'll take you right up into the lobby. And I said, great, thanks. And then I just stopped in my steps and I turned around and looked at him. We hadn't spoken a word out loud. <laughs> all telepathic just like I'm talking to you it was that clear and I turned around and I said did that just happen <laughs> he said yes you're meeting your sister-in-law he says go up there I gave you the directions and I was like well so that opened me up to accepting my gifts more and the psychic abilities and stuff I wasn't so much afraid of it I was he kept he talking about a book to develop my psychic skills and, and all that and I didn't do much with it but it at least opened my mind up to it that this isn't as scary as it was at that point <laughs> but I do have um, a message on that subject of psychics that I'd like to um, to like kind of like a warning, I guess, because I've had a lot of different psychic greetings through the years, and almost all my psychic greetings, they've come to me, or I was really guided to go to them, and most of them had a lot of good insights, giving me good information and everything else, but some led me down the wrong path, and I think it's because the the reader was interpreting something, it's got to go through their own filter and spit it out in a way that they thought it was supposed to look like, or I misinterpreted it and. So I go down the wrong path. And so I just warn people to really 
be tuned in with your own intuition so that you don't get mm. led down the wrong path. And also not all psychics are in tune with beings of light. There are a lot of psychics out there that are giving readings to row readers and such that they're, they don't have the, uh, the skills. They haven't really tuned in. And a lot of them are not tuned into beings of light. They might think they are, but they're not. And they're mm. just, just allowing stuff to come through. And, and then there's those who are definitely purposely that try to create chaos. There's a lot of uh, wolves out there in the sheep's clothing. So we have to really be careful. And another thing I learned um, from this particular psyche, because one thing he said to me, he said, I don't see a man in your house in six months. And I'm married at the time. And I already knew I need to dump this guy. <laughs> this is not working for us. And uh, but I put it off. I didn't want to become a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I'm, am I just going to get a divorce from this guy? Because, you know, he said that. So I waited six months just because I didn't want to. Uh, you know, make this a self-fulfilling prophecy. So it makes you question yourself too. So you have to be careful when they give you a premonition because it might not be accurate or you might be trying to push something before it's ready to go. So just be really careful if you do. And I'm a big promoter on meditation, really daily meditation and deep meditation, because if you learn to trust your intuition, then you won't have to rely heavily on psychics. And a lot of my clients, that's the problem there. They get off because they just the psychic will say this one or this one will say that. And sometimes the psychic, you know, everybody's got the right truth, but they get coming in from different angles. So it's confusing to the person who's getting too many readings and just too much out, out of their own, out of their own intuition, out of their own heart. So you have that information in, in, in yourself. And I'm not knocking psychics or anything like that because I always love them. Someone was giving me a psychic reading, but I'm very picky about what I allow in and such. So. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, interesting, because my mum was a medium uh, and a healer. So we've grown up in that background and seances and Ouija boards and all sorts used to happen in the house. So, um, yeah, so know exactly what you're talking about. And it is and it is like being more in your heart and following your heart and your feelings. And, it, that, you know, that that's what leads the way. Yeah. Being, okay. being yeah. Yeah. Yes. The Ouija boards and even... Tarot is more really not about the cards themselves anyway. It's about just more of helping the reader get out of their own way, get out of their mind, literally. With a Ouija board and some of these others, a pendulum and all, you're not, you're not really knowing what you do and not really stable. The darkness, it's a, it's a tool that lower vibrational entities can easily use. And it's one that higher vibrations really don't even need to use because if you're tuned in, you're going to get it telepathically yeah. or whatever. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, we used to have, um, I don't know if you recall, like many years ago, um, we used to have the silver trumpets with the luminous paint on, painted on either side. So when it was dark, <laughs> you could see it go around the room. <laughs> anyway. Uh, um, yeah, so, yeah, so carry on, because I know you've got lots of stories to share. So, you know, whatever you feel is re relevant well, soon after I took the cruise, then um, I was started cleaning houses at that time. And I had a client that she kept saying, you know, you got the gift. She's like saying the same thing to psychic and said, it's kind of like freaking me out. She didn't know what that he had said those exact words to me. And she was trying to push um, out on a limb. What's her name? Uh, Shirley McLean's book on me and all that. And I, you know, I still wasn't too sure that I wanted to do that. But anyway, she ended up saying there was a conference coming in town and it was just, uh, we were in Orlando, Florida at the time. And she said that uh, 
she wanted me to go. You really need to go. You really need to go. And so she pushed me and, and I went. <laughs> I, I was blown open. It was, um, and day conference was put on by the Edgar Casey Foundation. And there were two women. And I didn't know it at the, at the time that in the room, I was, there was like 200 different people. And they were all, these people were all into metaphysics. They were psychic mediums. You know, these were people doing, <laughs> doing this work professionally. I had no idea. I come in as a newbie. And we had done several hands-on experiences all throughout the day. And there, I was just blown away. Things were happening. I, I went into past lives. I was reading photographs. I was, people were giving me readings. I was giving them readings. We were having telepathic communications. And so it just, it just really blew my mind open. And when I was finished with that, I went home for three days. I told my kids, don't bother me. I got to go in that room. And, and I asked, I asked if I could go through that whole day, starting right from the beginning and, understand each of the different things that happen because it just there's so many different phases of stuff that that happens so um i ended up within the next few months since it blew my mind open so much i had to make some life changes and some other things that happened as well so um so i made some big life changes at 35 and uh, i realized at that point that i had been given most of my power over to my mother because i was trying to please her and i was trying to save her and i realized that I don't need to do either of those things anymore. And so that ended up starting with, because she couldn't handle my rules and made up some new rules, which is just basically respect. And she couldn't adhere to that. So it ended up 12 years of silence between us. We didn't talk for 12 years. Really? And I wanted to, to find myself. That's what I, I went to do. And I had to get over the anger of her and all of that. So she's 95 now and she's in the other room. <laughs> so I ended up as her, as her caregiver. <laughs> so I, I said if her, watch for what you pray for, because I was praying for unconditional love. So I ended up getting her to be her caregiver. So I was like, so I'm getting to practice unconditional love. I, I'm doing pretty good some days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, on a good day. <laughs> so anyway, going back to the, when I was 35 that year, um, after seeing that psychic, he said, within six months, uh, I won't see a man in your house. So I made sure I went after six months. So at eight months, we got divorced. It was a quick, easy divorce, no problems there. So I divorced him. Um, I had an experience. I had gone back to college, and I had an experience there and that made me question all of my beliefs. And um, so I decided to leave the church. I was already out of the Catholic Church. I wanted anything to do with that, and I had joined the Church of Christ. And um so I left the church and that was really hard because as I mentioned earlier, they were my employer. I did the cleaning there. I did the yard work and uh, another lady and I were revamping their whole library. So, I mean, I lived at that church and it was also one of those churches where they, they you know, all your friends should be church members, not the outsiders. You bring the insiders in, you convert them, and then they make them, make them your friends kind of a thing. So I had to leave all of them. And that was really hard because they were my, not only were they my friends, anytime I did want to see them and go out for coffee or tea or something, they would be trying to proselytize me and get me back into church because they wanted to save me because they knew I was going to go to hell. You know, so I had to, I just ended up having to leave all my friends, my employment, everything. And I had two kids and now I got rid of my husband. I had my first husband, who's the father of my children. I took him back for child support. And he had told me one time, if you ever take me back for child support, I'll kill you. Oh. <laughs> and I know he was saying in anger and he said, I hope he was. But so I just... So I turned my whole world upside down. And I mean, it was it was very scary, but it was also very freeing because I had just I just 
got rid of all my paradigms and now I'm recreating. Who am I going to be? What am I? Because I was lost there for a little while. I mean, mm. when I went to college to prove to myself I could do something that I wasn't stupid because things my mother had said as a kid, careless words, and I thought I was stupid. When I found out I wasn't stupid because I got accepted into an honors program at 35, I was, I was like, I cried. I was like, oh my God, I'm not stupid. You know, so it was like, it was just the whole thing. I didn't know who I was. I just sat there and I didn't know who I was. So I encourage all your listeners, if you just take stock of your life, just sit down and look at what's working in your life and what's not working in your life, and then have the courage to make the necessary changes and uh, just free yourself from the bonds that you created. Mm, definitely. Yeah. So when, when I started college at 35, I didn't have a career goal. I was like, I just got to do something. What I had realized with my mother was how that came about was, I'm a finisher normally. I'm a starter, I'm a finisher, and I love the process in between, no matter what it is, and mundane or whatever. And uh, But I noticed on certain projects throughout my life that I just didn't finish them. Why did I drop those? I was all gung-ho and really excited about it, and then I dropped it. And when I was praying about that, and then I realized the things that I dropped were things that I was doing. And then my mom would say something, and I'd tell her about it, and she said, why are you wasting your time on that? Yeah. Like that. And I realized the pattern. That's when I realized how I had given so much of my power over to her. So I decided I wanted to do something that was big, that would be good for me and that I could finish. So I could prove to myself I am a finisher. So I was planning on going for maybe like a nine month something because I needed to get a career. I was working as a nurse's aide, but I got rid of my husband. So I, now I need to make more money. <laughs> and um and I wanted some kind of a career, but I didn't know what. I knew I wanted something service oriented, but I didn't know what it was. So, but I ended up doing a four year um, and become a school teacher. So, and that was one of those where our, I, a psychic had told me that I was going to be a teacher, a teacher. So I thought, well, maybe I better go in and get a school teaching. Because, you know, I yeah. tried to push. I tried to push it, and I got myself off the wrong path. She gave me the right path because now I am a teacher, teachers. But I all I could think of well, teaching was teaching must be in the schools. <laughs> Mm. And that didn't work for me. It was too much structure. One of the things that that psychic on the cruise had told me, he says, you need to be an entrepreneur. And I didn't even I had to go look it up later because <laughs> I'm too embarrassed to tell him I didn't know what that meant. But an entrepreneur, because he, he had said, you, he said, you're kind of sassy <laughs> and, you, and you don't put up with crap. And he said, so you need to be your own boss. And every time I've had a boss, it's been like, I, I'll walk out from a job. I'm a bridge burner. I'll just walk out from the job. I don't care. It's something else. <laughs> I got to put up with the crap, you know, and play these games and stuff. It's not for me. So anyway, so uh, but through the years, I found that uh, that uh, this was what's true with most people was they don't know their life purpose. Almost everybody I know, whether they're light workers or not light workers, they don't know why they're on earth, and uh, they don't know what what in the world to do, literally. And so, and a lot of my clients come to me and they say they don't know what their life purpose is, life purpose is. And I, I didn't know my life purpose really until I got into my fifties. But um, I just, my message to everybody is if you have specific work to do when the time is right, and if you're doing your inner work, you're going to know what to say or do in, in any moment. And the main role for anyone that's on the awakening path is just to be love and to anchor that love. Because sometimes we're not here for a big mission. We're not going to run a country or run this or have this business or whatnot. Some of us are just, it's just to anchor love. And I think a lot of these people that come in that are severely handicapped, they're choosing that. And mm. but they can't work or anything. So they're not going to have a career. A lot of them can't 
like with autism and stuff, they can't even communicate properly with others. Mm. But there's so many of them that within, they are tuned right into source. They're just tapped yeah. in. So maybe all their purpose is, is to be loved. They may be doing something for a karmic reason too, but it might just be that anchor love. That's the most important thing, no matter what we're doing. No matter what you are doing, do it with love and gratitude. Be right there. Be committed in the moment, whether you're doing dishes or you're helping others or you're running a business. Be committed in that moment and do it with love. That's mm. Definitely, definitely. And, it, and it's about having a focus as well, isn't it? Keep, keeping your focus and not, you know, going off this tangent and that tangent. Just keep bringing your back self back to self. And I know when um, lockdown happened, um, and I was um, staying with my sister in Bristol and her daughter. Um, and we made a point of, we went out for, we always carried on going out for walks through parks and what have you. And we made a point of talking to everybody. We we always spoke, we said hello, we smiled. A lot of people would look at us cockled, didn't speak to us. And yeah, and we had lovely conversations with people that we would have never met before. And I just, just by, you know, in the supermarket, I always talk to somebody in front of me or behind me or or the checkout. I always make an extra point of um, just going that a little bit further with them and just acknowledging them and just saying, how are you doing today? Or just seeing where they're at. And it's little things like that that make a difference. Like you say, you don't have to be out a world leader um, doing things. You know, you can do from the little things and they ripple out, don't they? Yeah, and we have no idea who we're affecting and how we're affecting them. I remember hearing two different stories that people were both times they were sitting out in the park on a bench and thinking of suicide. How am I going to kill myself? I've had enough. And a stranger, one of them, the stranger just came down, it may have been an angel really in human disguise, sat down and just start chatting with them and then ended up spilling their guts and they were fine. And another one, somebody just walked by and smiled at them. And they said it was the first time in their life that they really felt like somebody looked at them and acknowledged them and saw them. This is mm. a smile from a stranger. So we have no idea how much we're affecting other people. No, no, not at all. Not yeah. at all. But, you know, and that could be things that people could start doing. I mean, a lot of people are shy and don't want to speak. But, you know, if you just... You, you know, you just talk in the shops or you just pass by and say, hi, good morning or something like that. You just don't know what that little spark of light does for that person. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know. Right. So carry on. <laughs> I well, to coin a phrase from the, from the title of your show, Dreaming the Dream, when I was dreaming the new dream, because that's what I was doing. I didn't know who I was and I was kind of lost. So I had to dream a new dream. And as I was dreaming about, okay, how do I pay the bills? I've got two coming up into teenage years. There's going to be some expenses here. <laughs> but I started coming up with some parameters of what I really wanted. And I knew I wanted to be of service to others. And I wanted to work by donation so that whatever, um, I wanted everybody to be able to afford me because there's so many different things that people do and you can't spend $300 an hour on this or that, you know. So I wanted it to be affordable to everybody. And I wanted the freedom to set my own hours and I wanted to work from home. And I also wanted to do my work through emails instead of phone uh, or in person for a number of reasons. And um, it took a lot of ups and downs. I had to go through a lot, jump a lot of hoops and 
mostly my own blocks and fears of what I was going to do because I got to make money, got to have, you know, regular paycheck coming in and all of that. Uh, but then I also had a lot of mystical experiences. So, um, but I did. And where I'm at now is exactly that dream that I dreamed. And I've been doing this this way for several years. So I finally um, created the parameters of my job. So I encourage people, if you don't know what your dream is, it's important to know how you want to serve others because that's mm -hmm. where we get our joys when we're serving others. And if you can make your money serving others or not, you know, but no matter what, in some way you're serving others, even if you're the dishwasher, you know, you're serving yeah. other people. So, but if you can find out what your passion is and what brings you joy and then think of things such as, do you want to work for yourself or someone else or just set your own parameters and then meditate for guidance and be ready to take the next step when it happens. So there's so many people that are just stuck because I don't know what to do and what they're doing. They're trying to figure out what the whole picture is. I didn't know what the whole picture was for years. It was incremental. And sometimes we have to take a job that's not something that really excites us, but sometimes that job that we're led to will lead us to another person or to the next step or give us a skill that we needed to get to where we're going. Mm -hmm. So if you're tuned in, then you'll know what steps to take. And you just have to be ready to have the courage because I stymied myself and blocked myself for years on different parts of my path, just out of fear. Mm -hmm. And it's not worth it. <laughs> yeah. And I had an interesting experience when I was around eight years old. And there were three different men that I knew. One was our local grocer and the other two I knew through my dad. And all three of them used to talk about, oh, when I retire, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And especially the grocer, he lived there 24-7 pretty much at, at his store. And, he, you know, people come in and talk about going, they went fishing and went on this trip or that. He says, oh, yeah, I'm looking forward. When I retire, I'm going to do that. So all three of these men had that same mindset, nine mm -hmm. years old. And all three of them right after retired one was three days after his retirement the other one died like a week later and the other one died by a month or two after his retirement and i'm watching this these are the guys that were putting their life on hold until yeah. they retired and i had a very strong voice that come in to me and told me enjoy your life now because you're not going to retire <laughs> at the time that other people are thinking about getting ready to retire that's when your work is going to start and that's exactly what happened because the catalyst for my current work started on September 11, 2001. And I was at I was at a hardware store getting some paint and stuff, but I heard that a plane that's I'll shorten the story. When that second plane hit the Twin Towers in New York City, I had the strangest reaction. I got up by that time I was home and I'm sitting there, show me that plane. I have to see that plane. I have to see that second plane, not the first plane, a second plane. And I'm like, I'm watching myself and it's just like, I'm kind of watching myself out of the body. Like, who are you? What are you doing? And why is, what's going on in your head? And, uh, but when I saw that second plane hit the twin towers, I started jumping up and down. I'm like, I'm happy. I'm singing. Yes. Yes. Now they're listening. Now they'll listen. Now I can do my work. Yay. 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 They're finally going to listen. And I'm like, I didn't know what my work was. And I'm like thinking, you know, I'm watching this screen. There's a lot of people dying right here in front of my eyes and I'm doing a Jubilee dance. And I'm like, it just it blew me away. And that's when I learned and realized that there are trigger points in, in our life that keep us on our track. So if you don't know what your life purpose or whatever it is, there may be certain trigger points that will happen in your life. Mm -hmm. um, then you'll know, you'll just know. And um, so there are plenty of them. And you don't need to force the issue. No, just, no, 
Yeah. And then whatever you're currently doing, like I said before, do it with love and do it to the best of your ability, whatever you're doing now. And if your work isn't satisfactory, then have the courage to do something else. Mm. If you don't work, you can still do a lot. You can sit there on your couch or in your chair in a comfortable place and you can just sit there and pray and send out love. So everybody can, can do this. Yeah. You know, if you don't know what your life purpose is, then it may just be to anchor love or it'll come when the time is right. Mm. Mm. Fabulous. Mm. Something popped in then, but it popped out. So many things, <laughs> so many things when you're talking. I'm, oh yeah, I'll, I'll say that. Um, let's talk about your books because I'm interested, like how you went into the prisons and and because back along I worked in a um, men's open prison um, for a couple of years, and that was an experience. I was in telecommunications, so. But I always made us, you know, and I was right in the hub of the, the prison. Um, and I always made a point. I always spoke to everybody regardless. Um, and I, you know, I never knew what they were in for. Because, um, you know, that wasn't part of the journey for me. But I always just made, just spoke. And, you know, I met some lovely people in there. And, you know, you don't know all the reasons why they're there. What What has taken them there? whether it's their own fault or through something else. But, you know, and I just thought, well, everybody's a human and regardless of what they've done, they're still on their path, mm -hmm. just just the same. So so how did you come about? And I know you've got, was it thousands of books in the libraries now that you've, in the prison libraries, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Um, when I counted them up later, it was 1,111, 1111. Oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love numbers. Yeah. There's, I don't remember how many, I think there's like 1,800 U.S. prisons and, and uh, state and federal prisons, but not all of them would let my book in. So, but 1,111, <laughs> I counted them oh up. I said, God. why am I surprised? <laughs> but how it happened, uh, actually, I went back to the second time I ever had a psychic reading, and it was a spontaneous thing. I was asking this lady, she just got this shipment of uh, uh, essential oils in. And so I was asking her, she was teaching classes on Tuesday and I was going to her classes at her house. And I just asked her about the essential oils. You know, what are those? Because everybody was so excited about them. I go, what are these things? And so she started telling me, and then she tells me to lay down on her massage table. And I'm like thinking, is she coming on to me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, her husband and her child's downstairs. I think she's straight. You know, why is, why is she want me to lay on this table? And I didn't even realize it was a massage table because I'd never seen a massage table. <laughs> anyway, she did a spontaneous reading on me and said so many different things. And one of the things that she said is you're, she kept saying the word, she said, Oh, I don't know what this word means. I don't know what this word means. I said, finally, I just said, well, maybe, maybe the words for me to understand <laughs> what's the word. She said, Ecclesiastes. I said, Oh, I know exactly what that is. I said, that's a teacher, teacher, preacher. She said, well, that's what you are. She said, you're a teacher preacher. And uh, she said, you're going to teach the teachers. And she said, and I also see a prison ministry. And that, my heart just went, <laughs> and she said, but I don't see you going in the prisons. She said, I don't know exactly how you're going to do it. She said, but I don't see you going in the prisons. So that was on the back of my head. And I was glad for that because I would say at that time that I was a terrible flirt, but I wasn't. I was a very good flirt and going into prisons with men was not going to be a safe environment for me. Even being the pen pals, I, I got myself, I got five wedding invitations in one week. And I'm like, okay. So I talked to some of the guys that I knew. I said, what am I doing wrong? 
<laughs> because they're reading these letters. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. <laughs> so it was very whatever. But anyway, uh, years later, it was about eight years they were I kept getting this information on Mayan calendars and stuff. And I don't, I don't know what this was or what they were trying to do. And But it was the buildup to 2012. Everybody's starting to talk about the Mayan calendar and all. So my guides asked me to sit down. By that time, I was doing automatic writing and automatic typing. And they said, we just want to have conversations with you. And it was one of the um, one of the day keepers of the, of the, of the Mayan calendar. So a spirit being. And um, so we started having conversations. Then he said, Jamal, you might want to start logging these down and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, they ended up tricking me into this book. I didn't know I was going to write a book. If I did, I probably would have stopped. They know me. I would have stopped. I mean, I'm the great resistor. I was. And <laughs> I mean, now I ain't getting better. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up uh, writing this book. It was 384 pages. And at the time, wow. in my messages, I wanted to be off planet. I was tired of it down here is this crazy down here and uh, so I thought okay I'll write the book but then I'm going home take me up be me yeah. up, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I got the book all done and hadn't been edited or anything but I did the last part they told me okay the book is now complete so I said okay you know now what so I thought I was going to get a marketing plan you know you're gonna make a bunch of money on this you know and they told me the reason that I said why are you coming to me for the mind messages and stuff I, I don't you know don't relate to all this. I do now, and I know why. In past lives, start showing me stuff. But they said anyway. The main reason was we were going to do a wave, like they do at the football games. You know, do the wave. <laughs> they said right now there's so many people focused on the on the Zokin, the, the sacred Mayan calendar, because they think it's the end times. They said we want you to give them hope. There is not the end times, and also we're going to use the calendar because we're going to we're going to ride that wave that because so many people were into that. So anyway, uh, and then they said. And this is how I heard it. If you don't mind, could you put the book in all of the U.S. state and federal prisons? And I just like, I'm never going to get off this planet. <laughs> I'm never going to get out of here. Because <laughs> I don't know how many there were, but there's a lot. And I already knew that the U.S. penal system is, we have more per capita, we have more prisons than any other country. So like I said earlier, it was about 800 of them. I had to call them each individually. It took each about five phone calls to be able to get permission or not permission to, to put the books in there. But as a result, I ended up with a lot of different pen pals and learned a lot about the penal system and that I, a lot of things I didn't want to know. And uh, so that's how the mind messages started. So I offered the book. Um, inside the book, there's a invitation to inmates that if you're in prison for a year or more, then you can write to me and you can uh, get a free copy. And that was hard to do too. I'm running off planet number one. Now I have to give them my address to prisoner. Oh. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> so, and anything free that inmates can get, they can get. So I was getting letters like crazy. And I spent all my money doing it. I didn't care because once my money was gone, that's when I'm going. <laughs> that was my plan. Yeah, right. Yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> that's how that happened. So was that the first book? You know, I've sort of jumped here. So what? that was your very first book, was it? Yes, that was the first one. Yeah. And I always laugh because it's 384 pages. Yeah, yeah. hold <laughs> up again. So wow. People say you teach what you need to learn. I got, oh boy, I got a lot to learn. Oh my gosh. 
And as I was going through the book, it was very really interesting because oh, some days I could do maybe two. They're channel. They were all channel messages. There's 250 yeah. messages here, and because there's 260 days in their sacred calendar, and some days they say no, 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 no writing today. And when I thought the third or fourth time it happened, I realized the pattern. Whatever it was I was going to write about. I had to experience it on some level at first. Mm, so, mm. Uh, so everything in there at some level I have experienced. And um, so, is it, it like on each page? Is it sort of like a page a day of the main calendar that you've you've put channeled information? Or it's uh, it's, it's, a, it's a daily read. It's on the the subtitles daily. It's my messages uh, self guide to da daily. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just wrote the book. <laughs> I see somebody say here, and my mother has just woken up, so she made right. yeah. So I'm like, we'll just, we'll, whatever. And we so understand. Yeah. This is life. Right. For everybody that doesn't know, she's 95. She has dementia, and she just woke up to go bathroom. It's uh, four in the morning here, so she's not gonna know why I'm up. <laughs> so whatever. So anyway, but it's a daily guide to self-empowerment. So there's 260 days in that calendar. So for each day, there's a different one of the daykeepers giving a specific message. So right. some of the some of them are on one page, some of them are five or six pages. So it teaches teaches a lot. Mm -hmm. different. What they told me is that uh, with the calendar, because I do that my my astrology, that every day there's different aspects, different personality traits. So each one of those also deals with our different personality traits too. So right. it's very very interesting. Yeah, because I will share that I. I sent for um for the astrology reading the mine off of you, which came so quick. I was so surprised to see it in the email. Um and I think like, like I shared with you earlier, I, I could there was a paragraph in there which made total sense, um, but the rest of it didn't. You know, I, obviously I need to read through it again, but I really don't really know very much about the Mayan astrology to understand it. So maybe um Another time we can have a chit chat and maybe you can give me a little bit of guidance about mm -hmm. my my reading. Yeah, sounds great. And Thank I used you. to do these, for, give them uh, freely to inmates too. I'd say if you can send me your your birth date and time and stuff like that. And I got so many emails back because inmates, most felons are really hurt inside. Yeah, and they they're bottled up. And so many of them would say, you're freaking me out. How do you know this about me? Nobody knows this. I never told anybody because it talks about your strengths and your weaknesses. So if you've right. got your strengths, you may not relate so much because you're already doing that. And you're like, oh, okay, I already know that. But if you're not and you got your weaknesses, it's like, how oh, do they know that? How did they know I was going to take that path and stuff? So it was very interesting to me to watch. So some people have had life-changing events because of this. And then others were like, I don't get it. <laughs> so everybody's yeah. different you know everything reaches everybody in different ways as well mm, so so what was your next book um, um i think next one is the one that you got that was gardening with nature spirits yeah that's, yeah, and, that's yeah. and yeah. that was um mostly channeled information and it was um all of my books basically are to empower people and that one had more to do with gardening. That's where I was at at the time, doing more gardening, community, community gardening and stuff like that. And it's basically about how you can tune in to the nature spirits and make stuff grow, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and 
layout. They can show you the layout of the land. They were showing me stuff. And I'm like, I don't, this doesn't make any sense why I'm doing that. One of them, it was like, if I had done what I was going to do and not listen to them, the next time there was a hard rain, my garden would have been about six feet underwater. <laughs> I had no idea that all this water was coming down from all these different properties right into that area. And there was a, um, there at the time there was 60 horses on one of the adjacent properties. All that horse urine would have been right there where I was going to put the garden. So it's like, wow. And what they told me to do in a little bit of a wall to build everything else, the rain just funneled right past where all the different places where I, you know, where I was growing stuff. So it was just, it was amazing to, to yeah. and, and get the different features and what you should do and not do and, mm. and the different blessings that go with that. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to read it again because obviously I read it, well, I don't know how many years ago I had that book from you. Um, and like I shared, I'm on a farm at the minute, so I can't grow anything because of the, the goats and sheep. Um, so, but when I do find my new abode, it will have a lovely garden so I can do all these beautiful things. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that so that was your next one. Yeah, and then the next one was the Feng Shui book, and I was guided to write that one, and I was fighting that one. I'm like, why? You know, I was so mad at the Feng Shui, the Westernized. I called it bastardized Feng Shui. Like so many people were getting people off, and I, people were like freaking out. I was by that time I was going to some metaphysical classes and stuff, and this happened because I left my toilet lit up and I didn't have this red thing over here and whatnot. Yeah. And I'm like, no, feng shui is all about flow. <laughs> now you're just taking all these rules. <laughs> like that. So that book basically was, oh, I still have chapters on like how you can use gemstones and colors and all that, but choose what, what you like, what yeah. you love. Yeah. You know, and that there are four intentions. A lot of these things are, you know, don't really have any power unless you give it power. So mm. you have something sitting here and a big amethyst or whatever, and you set it with the intention. And every time you see that, even subconsciously, you're going to have that intention if you put it there. So that's when it's loving, it's blind, everything's flowing and stuff. Mm. So mm. in that book, I talk about some of my experiences I had, which is crazy because of, of what other people were doing. And it was just driving me crazy. Because again, people weren't being in their integrity either because they're doing the stuff because somebody else told them to do it. Mm -hmm. you know, and now they're a mess. It's like, no, it's okay. It's okay if you leave your toilet lit up. It really yeah. is. <laughs> and then it talks in there too. I said, when this first happened, this is an ancient Chinese thing. I lived in Okinawa in, in modern times and my toilet was still outside and it didn't have a lid. That was in the ground. <laughs> So a lot of the stuff where they're getting upset about the Chinese weren't doing that either. This is all stuff that was added. But when they did do it, it had a meaning. And usually it had to do more with where am I going to put my house? Okay, now you're on a block. And another one was people and their house numbers. Come on, people. The house number is, is a postal thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it can be fun. I had... I don't know if I should say this or not, but well, I had a boyfriend. He said, the reason I chose this property, he built his own house. He said, but I, I saw the address. I had to have it. It's 2469. Two for 69. Two people for 69. He was a sex <laughs> <laughs> You know, perfect. Some house numbers work well. <laughs> No, you did say you're a flirter, so I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> had a hard time breaking up with him. He was fun. <laughs> All right. Oh, 
love it. A reverend cap on again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it won't stay on long. <laughs> and Tommy, I know you're listening and I know you're cracking up, so be quiet. Don't you put anything online about this. I think it's your biggest fun from the little comments. I answer the ICM and thanking everybody for your comments. I don't know. Yeah, well, Andrew's got someone to compete with. Yeah, and I don't see um, where I can change anything. But anyway, that's that. So that was that book. What was the next one? Uh, well, the next one was uh, this one, Universal Truth. Oh, I'll get the camera there. Universal oh, Truth. Yeah. And what this one is, it's a condensed verse, version of this. What it's, it basically is, it's all this, the lessons, but without all of the Mayan stuff. And, right. Uh, so it's a lot easier to read. And, I think uh, I might prefer that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This one, I was never told to market the mind messages. I, you know, I put it on my website and stuff like that, but I wasn't really supposed to go out and do anything with it. It was this one they told me mainly was, um, you know, people would be drawn to it, who will be drawn to it, but it was mainly for the inmates and stuff. And I turned out, especially in Arizona where I lived at the time, it was right in the Mexican borders right there. So a lot of the Hispanics and stuff were really drawn to it because of their Mayan heritage and, and the different, um, different uh, like the Aztecs and all those that lived down there. And this was to reach those people as well. So that was that one. And then, oh, the next one's a fun one. It was a compilation book. This one is called Enlightenment Behind Bars. Let's see what there. This is a prison. And then you can't see it too well. I so I can hold it here. Uh, this side. I can see the yeah, there's, I, I was visiting an inmate and um, there was a double rainbow right over the prison that I was able to capture. So um, mm. but that one's actually written by 10 different inmates that I had befriended. And um, so we had been pen pals with. So they all wrote, it's all about different spiritual lessons and written by them. And most of them had their awakening in prison. And I had a lot of inmates that tell me that they treat their prison cell like it's an ashram, that they, a lot of them say, I'm glad that I was incarcerated because it helped me change my life. Mm. Forced them to get off the alcohol. It forced them to get off the drugs. It forced them away from everybody. And this one particular inmate, he's in solitary confinement. And he and a couple others told me that a lot of times they have what they call the primal scream that um, these people are locked in to a cell mm. with no outside anything. And so now for the first time in their life, they're stuck with just them. Yeah, and their own thoughts and what they did and all of that. And he said they just when they hit rock bottom, there's just like this primal scream, and they're like everybody's like, oh, and he's going through it. I wonder if he's going to live or not? Because some of them will try to kill themselves after that. They can't deal with their own demons. Mm -hmm. And then the other ones are, are like, okay, I got it out, and now I'm going to rebuild my life. So it's it always interesting. Mm -hmm. And my newest one's a fun one. Um, this one is. As Tommy says, the raw me. I need to let the raw me out more. <laughs> it's called Beyond the Veil Spirit Guides. So this was um, this was when I met my spirit guides. There was 26. I went to a reading and there was he told me he saw 26 angels and guides around me. And I said, Well, that seems to be a lot. <laughs> he says, Well, you tend to be a resistor. I go, Oh, you picked that up. <laughs> so anyway, um, so this book is just my first conversation with, with each of them and them showing me um, not only my life path, but also information for anybody else that reads the book, how the universe works and different things as well. So this is a really fun read. I love doing that book. So I'm doing my second one now. This is going to be, it's called Beyond the Veil. 
spirit guides. So there's going to be a Beyond series, Beyond the Veil series. Each one's going to be talking about different things. So the, for, if people wanted to get them, are they available on your website or do they have to go to Amazon? Or If you go on my website, I prefer because then I get dollars for the book. If right. you go on Amazon or other places, I'll get maybe five or 10 cents per book. So, but it's, it's on Amazon. Right. Yeah. And you can get it. It's available in Australia and UK and all that too. So you'll right. probably get cheaper, um, you know, sometimes you can get cheaper rates and stuff like that, depending on, on what's available. But, um, but yeah, you can get them anywhere. Mm. So is that all the books that you've written? I lost cat. I've lost track now. Yeah, is that, I think is, that the six? There's six now. Yeah. 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 So the next one that you're working on. This one's a fun one. This one's a kind of scary one for me because this one's really letting out all my things that have happened to me. So I'm going to be talking about, um, my encounter with the spaceships, my um, encounter uh, with with um, ETs mm -hmm. that are that look human, yeah, yeah. and are not, <laughs> and uh, um, a Bigfoot experience and and other things like that. So it's stuff that I haven't really talked about, and um, it hasn't until recently I've been told it's safe to talk about that now because it yeah. hasn't been safe, and uh, not only safe for me but safe for anybody that's else involved in it. Because yeah. we got a lot of dark people and that can do dark things, <laughs> so um, so I'm a little nervous, but I'm very excited to finally be able to share those stories and stuff. So mm. tell me too, it's time too because we need to take the fear out of all of this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so is there? Any, I know we're like we're sort of coming up to near the end. So is there anything else that um, that you'd like to share or any other stories or? Let me just scroll down all my little notes and see what might be the best for you guys today. I could skip a lot of that. Um, well, anyway, um, yeah, when I, I went to Sedona. I was guided to go there for 11 years and then I came back and I still wanted to be off the planet so much. I got myself down to where I just had $400 to my name and I had a truck that needed a thousand dollars of work. <laughs> so I got really mad <laughs> at myself. It's like, I, I want it off planet. So I finally did a deal with my guys. And I said, if you, um, if I wake up tomorrow morning, <laughs> I'll surrender and I'll do my work. And I knew I was going to wake up the next morning, but I didn't want to. And when I did wake up, I was really angry. And then I went into fear because I was afraid of all that. And I didn't know what my life purpose was yet. I didn't know what my work was going to be, but my sub subconscious knew. And it really scared me. And I didn't know what. But I had all these memories of being a martyr in several different ways for speaking my truth through the years. And then um, as they... As my guides, my guides taught me everything, all the healing techniques, everything that I know. I got it directly from my guides. And um, when I was doing all right, everything's great until we got to where it's time to start doing exorcisms and getting rid of dark force entities. And, and that really scared me because I'd had a couple of friends that I knew that tried to do that with other people. And those entities got attached to them and they couldn't get them off. You know, we could get them off. And it was just ruining their lives. So I was really, really afraid of that. And then that's when I found out all that resisting that I had done for all those years was because I was afraid to do this work. And that was my life work to do. 
used mm -hmm. to know. And in my life work there with the soul clans, one of the blessings of it is that uh, we honor the dark forces too. We recognize they came from the same source, just like you and me and everybody else. And they had free will, just like you and me and everybody else. And they made choices that through the years, and like you and I, we can make bad choices, you know, for 60, 70, 80 years. But some of these dark force entities, they're not bound by that so they've been bad choices for eons of time yeah. so they have totally blocked themselves they don't even believe in a god and some of them are forced to, to don't believe in that you know whatever they get punished and stuff from their uppers and and all that stuff so but one of the huge blessings not only is it help people humans we're when we're dealing with dark force entities and stuff we encourage them we are respectful to them and we try to gently to get them to look within find that inner flame within because they have that same inner flame that you and i and everybody else have and if they see that inner flame then that gives them more hope that there is a light that is your connection to source and you can change and a lot of them do change they go to mm -hmm. some of them we have to forcefully pull off but a lot of times yeah, yeah. sometimes i actually see them like okay waving a white flag <laughs> i really i had enough i had enough and yeah. we, we they say okay but we send them to a place of quarantine they have a choice you can either go to the light or you're going to be taken off and you're going to be taken to quarantine and when you go in quarantine you're not coming out because you cannot harass you've broken all the laws and you cannot harass humans anymore so until this human experience on earth is complete you're going to be staying in this and you're going to be staying in quarantine with all these other guys who are just as dark as you it's mm. not going to be fun <laughs> you know but at any time you can choose to go to the light but you're not going to harm humans anymore so they they understand that but they're all arrogant they think that oh, yeah your guys are nothing and blah 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 you know and then they find out who's the real bosses the light the light always wins Mm -hmm. So, um, but there's so many of them. Once they did go to the light, and they went through their cleansing process, all everybody goes through cleansing processes when you go through your awakening. And uh, so, a lot of them went to, chose to go to the light. They went through it, and for eons, they've been bad guys, and they have a lot of karma. If you want to call it karma, they want to balance what they did. So a lot of them actually come back and work with our soul cleanse team. And my team is telling me, they told me years ago, he says, we now have billions of these beings. Because sometimes if I pull one entity off, I'm not pulling just him off. He might be the leader of a gang of networks, yeah. the whole network. So we might be taking actually thousands away at the same time because they're all going to follow the leader. <laughs> so and a lot of them want to go to light and they change their way. So um Billions of them now that when I do the global cleanses and they're they're there. I do a global cleanse every morning. It's part of my morning routine. And so, and they're very um, they're believable. Let's say like if if you're an alcoholic, and I'm coming in there and I'm trying to counsel you, I'm not going to have as much um, impact with you because I've never even been drunk. <laughs> so, you know, or, you know, you never walked in my path. You know, who are you, lady? You know, so. Uh, but if you bring a dark force entity who was a dark force entity and they safely went to the light and they've changed their way, they have a lot more punch. So they're able to talk a lot more of these guys into going to the light. So they've become a very integral part of my soul cleanse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's just amazing. Yeah, no, you do amazing work. Um, yeah, I'd like to thank you on behalf of everyone, including myself. Um, you know, you do such powerful work. And obviously in your books, there's so much wisdom as well. Um, and anybody, like you say, you do it by donations. So anybody can email you or get contact you on your website. And um, 
um yeah so it's been really um been really an absolute delight and pleasure to have you on the show and for you to share because i know you know we've had emails and different things and you do um full moon things and new moons and all, all and different dates you, you know it's all on your website or you set you get it on email so um yeah very busy <laughs> so is there any words of wisdom that you would like to leave our listeners with well i'd say embrace the dark in whatever form that it shows up in your life and let that be your greatest teacher and don't hide your light because we need your gifts mm. and uh, Going along with the title of your show, Dare to Dream, Your New Dream. Wonderful. Right. Well, thank you very much once again. It, like I say, it's been an absolute delight and pleasure. And um, thank you for all our listeners. I know there was comments coming and going, but I have to keep my focus or I, I forget what I'm talking about if I'm trying to read that. <laughs> I have there too. <laughs> so, uh, any Anything to share there, Jeffrey? Any messages or anything? <clears throat> anything no this is um, interesting I, you, you sent those um book covers was there any particular reason we didn't even get to those parts so yeah <laughs> is there no, any i got a little smidgen <laughs> hey? yeah so no big deal on those yeah we'll have to do another show hey? yeah yeah definitely <laughs> have you got them there to show or no it doesn't matter yeah all right there you are yeah it won't mean anything unless I tell you the backstory behind yeah, it. But anyway, yeah. that's, that's Michael Newton's book. So anybody that wants to know about life after life, I really highly recommend his works. And all his works, everything was um, done by uh, his clients who were um, under hypnosis. So it's talking about, you want to know about twin flames and all that kind of stuff too, and soulmates. His book covers mm -hmm. the whole gamut. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, I know one thing that popped in, that popped out is popped back in again. <laughs> um, is when you were talking about UFOs. I mean, have you seen many? I mean, like, you know, I'll quickly share. Carol and I were in Glastonbury, oh, I don't know, a good few months ago now, and we couldn't sleep. We'd gone to a healing event and we couldn't, we were just overactive. Um, we were stood out in the garden. Um, in Glastonbury and Carol shouts quick come and see this and there's this cigar shaped ship going across and it was just like it was all lit up and my god I would go we're here we're here <laughs> but they carried on by but um it was just phenomenal you know I've never seen I've seen odd ones in the sky but never as close as that and it was just amazing mm -hmm. so have you got a quick one to share about any UFOs? Well, I've seen a lot of them, especially when I lived in Sedona. And then I was for three years, I lived on the side of a mountain outside of Sedona where there's no bugs or anything like that. So I could sleep outside and there all the time. And a lot of them were black ops because we'd see the black helicopters and stuff. There were definitely secret um, bases there in, in the place called Secret <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> and uh, stuff like that. The, the one experience, shorten it down for you. Um, I knew, I knew something about ships and stuff, you know, I just knew I, I was never into the UFO thing or anything that I saw had to do mostly with, you know, what was on the tabloid as I'm going to the grocery line. But I just knew I, I moved to the, um, uh, to an island. And when I did, the island, that, that the apartment that I had was away from everybody else and it was all dark and just over the water and stuff. So I, for the first time in years, I was able to see 
stars at night because there's no light pollution there. Mm-hmm. And I started looking at these stars and there were three of them that just like, I know you're not stars. I know you're pretending to be a star. I know you're not a star. <laughs> and I'm having a crazy thought, like, how do I know, you know, what, you know, whatever. And then I had an experience. I got mad. I was like, I went, and I was crying to him. Take me up, beat me up, Scotty, beat me up. I don't want to be here. I don't yeah. belong here. Yeah. <laughs> not yeah. home. You know, a lot of you relate to that. And yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And I just wanted, I spent most of my life wanting to get off planet. And so anyway, um, then I had an experience and, that night I came home and I was furious. I went out on the balcony and luckily I was pretty secluded. There's only four neighbors around me and none of them were home because I was screaming out loud and I was, I'm like, show yourselves to me. I know it's you. I know it's you. Quit messing with me. Cause I'll tell them to zig or to zag or whatever, but there, show yourselves to me. And it was amazing. It was like, okay, they look like they're stars, but all of a sudden all three of them just zipped in and right over my head. <laughs> they're wow. not. They're like double saucer shapes and lights and stuff like that. And I just like, I knew it. I knew it. And I just started bawling. My brothers, my brothers. You know, I, I, sometimes I just watch myself because I don't know what. It, my brothers, my brother, take me home. Take me home. And and I'm just, I've got snot running down my face. I'm crying. Just take me home. And I'm so excited to see them. And um then I heard very clearly, you know, when you go out dancing and you put on a dress, we think that's the funniest thing. Yeah. And I had to laugh because I, I just started hysterically laughing because it was something I would not have expected. And But I knew what they're talking about. They saw me as a male. <laughs> and when I put on a dress and act like a girl, they thought oh. it was funny. So it was, it just took me by surprise. And it was just so oddball that I just started hysterically laughing at that time. And they said, you know, when you ask us to zig and zag, and they will, they'll zig and zag for me. And you ask us to turn the lights on and all, blink them off and on to prove that we're there. You know, we, you know, stop that. <laughs> we got work to do. He said, you signed up for earth duty. So suck it up and be quiet yeah. and leave us alone. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> I was seriously humbled, a bit embarrassed, <laughs> but okay. I got my validation. You're definitely real. And then, and then they honest, they said, okay, are you all right? And I said, yeah, okay. And they just went right back up and they were stars again. I was like, well, and when I got to Sedona, uh, this shortened the story a lot, but I met a lot of different indigenous people and I asked them all the same thing. I said, do you see certain stars in the night? They're, they're like kind of red, white, and blue looking. They twinkle different and they're really bright. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, those are the star people. <laughs> so all the indigenous people throughout the world, because I met a lot of different global ones that everybody comes to Sedona, it's a Mecca. And so uh, it was just amazing. So got my validation on that. Wow, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I think we'll have to have you back another time to share more <laughs> stories. You compile a list of your stories um, <laughs> to share and, and we come back another time and share with us. Sounds great. I am compiling them because they're going into another book. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, well, thank I'd you, everybody. I love Sedona as well. I think yeah. it's a fantastic place, Sedona. Yeah. It is. It is. It's awesome. And I, was, I lived there for 11 years, another one of those 11s. 11, yeah. Well, I, I, love moved, I moved on 11, 11, 11. <laughs> yeah, I stayed up a couple of times there at Sliding um, Rock um, Resort, right up in the Oak Creek Canyon, then down at the Horse Ranch B&B, and then um, up opposite um, Whole Foods. I loved Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
There's something about that place, isn't it? You can um, you go yeah. to sleep that night and you can you, you just go travelling at night, don't you? Yeah, and everybody goes there. And before it became Whole Foods, it was the same type of thing, but it was more it was locally owned and it had a whole different energy then too. A lot of the locals didn't like it when Whole Foods bought it because it changed them. But it's the same energy to me. You know, it became the same energy because everybody's still going there. And they opened it up where you can eat in there and stuff. Yeah. So that made, it, that made a big difference. And I had Wi-Fi because I lived there a lot of times <laughs> after I, I came back for a visit and um, I had a place I needed Wi-Fi. So I've seen everybody, everybody goes through there. You know? so it's a, yeah. a gathering hotspot. <laughs> so too is that um, oh, the community center in the rock, the yeah. feminine energy. Uh, what's the name of that place? Are you talking about the church or the community center? Community center in the Rock. Um, um, uh, I forget the and name. From the main street, you went down um, past that Plato. A Plato, yeah. what was it? That Spanish uh, thing, and then you go across the creek, and then you turn left and you go up. Yeah, there's so several. Awesome, yeah, there's several really hot spots. They have seven main vortices there, that are really. It really gets wacky. The energy gets wacky because a lot of people will come there because they're it's more of a tourist attraction and stuff and. People come there to yeah. heal, so they dump all their stuff there. So those of us that live there and we're working there, we're constantly having to clear, clear your stuff. Like Glastonbury. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I have to say, I was really attracted to Bunyan Canyon. You know. Yeah, that's uh, out there behind there. That's where the secret, um, the secret, the government black ops stuff is. There's a called Secret Canyon back in there. Oh so, yeah. Oh, that's strange. A lot of interesting things. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, nothing else to report then, is it? Nope. Oh, I could right. go another hundred hours. <laughs> well, yeah. Shoot, it's exactly. only five o'clock. My day's just begun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you going to have a few hours shine? <laughs> I had beforehand. Now I'll probably be too hyped up. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you enjoy the rest of your day. And thank you once again for coming, being our guest this week. An absolute pleasure. Thank you. And you guys keep doing what you're doing because it's so needed. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. All right. Love you.